Hello and welcome to the Security Slopes podcast. It's a presentation of Security Metrics, the company that I work for. And I have been told I need to do this a little bit in more detail before we get started and not just launch right into the topic, which I get really excited about. I'm Jen Stone. I'm a principal security analyst for Security Metrics. Um, we, we like to talk about all things data security and uh, compliance. Security is where I really enjoy uh, talking and the the uh, people that I have on today are really going to help us out with the security part of things because they are part of our um, threat team. Uh, it's probably the wrong n- name for them. I think it's actually the Security Operations Center, but they can correct me. I have with me today Forrest Barth and Hef, Matthew uh, Hefflinger. And I, let's start with uh, Matt, or Hef, I think is what you go by. I apologize. No, that's fine. That's uh, fine. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You and I, even though we work in the same company, we have never met. Yeah, and and you know that's unfortunate because uh, I think we both get along very well. So uh, <laughs> we'll definitely have to take time once we're out of this quarantine and nobody can work from home anymore. Uh, we'll definitely have to to catch up closer. Agreed. But, agreed. So I am part of the Security Operations Center, and what that means is we handle protecting our merchants and our clients. And essentially, we're trying to look for bad, malicious traffic and notify of the threats. And we have uh, a relatively pretty pretty solid team. And we're we're looking at both the threat intelligence side of things and we're, 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 we're finding alerts, we're watching the wire and just trying to alert uh, on, on the bad stuff that's happening out there. And there's a lot of bad stuff right now, so... <laughs> Okay, excellent. So, Forrest, you and I actually know each other fairly well. We have even hung out at DEF CON together. Indeed. Uh, Indeed we have. I believe that uh, – I'm not sure if you were one of the people when we went to Hash House Gogo where I tried to stab a colleague with a knife inadvertently. It was, oh, it was not right. on purpose, but somehow, Accidental. you know, one minute you're cutting your eggs and the next minute <laughs> – probably wasn't cutting eggs. It's probably <laughs> – it's probably steak, let's be honest. But the next minute, the knife is like spinning in the air. It comes right down. So that was a good times. DEF CON. Sounds is, like a harrowing experience. It's good times. Uh, but tell us about yourself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, am the, uh, I guess you would say, principal security analyst in the Security Operations Center. Um, yeah. Like th- um, like Hef said, uh, just trying to find badness. So um, anytime we start noticing weirdness, uh, it's my job to dig in, triage, figure out whether it's legit or false positive, things like that, and uh, ultimately uh, start the wheels in motion for reporting those back to the the poor folks who have to engage in the incident response and clean things up. So, nice. Um, yeah, I've uh, been doing this um, uh, about a year and a half now. Uh, prior to that, was doing uh, managed security services for firewalls. Uh, before that, I was involved in our um, internal security team at Security Metrics for uh, IT, and prior to that, was in pen testing for about two years. So I've kind of dabbled a lot here and there. That's you know, it's the ADD that gets us right. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a similarly, um, uh, shall we call it broad background, but but a lot of my a lot of my backgrounds in IT operations, which is why I think I. Uh, I enjoy talking to people who are on the the a- active side of things so much. Uh, and titles are weird. You and I have the same title, but we do very, very different jobs. In um, On the day-to-day, I go out and I review people's systems and I write up long reports and tell them 
where where they're good and where they need to tighten up. So, um, and 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 yet both principal security analysts. So I don't I don't know. It's a who knows. We're we're out there fighting the fight. Is all I'm saying. So today, the reason that we have the two of you on um, is because uh, obviously COVID nineteen is hitting all of us, um, but it's. It's making itself known in the threat space pretty hard. So, uh, Hef, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the advanced persistent threats that you're seeing that are maybe more related to to this current crisis? Sure. So, first of all, for all of everyone out there, there's a lot of empathy from the security metrics side of the house. Um, it's not easy to navigate this space. I mean, you think about you're trying to keep your business up and operational, and at the same time, you're dealing with some crazy, nasty bad guys. And some of these threat actors, we don't know what their motivations are, but we know they're trying to do some bad things. Uh, if you look at what's happening in this space, uh, there, it's just I think there's over 500,000 email messages, phishing messages that have been tracked right now through vendors like Proofpoint and some of these other threat intelligence vendors out there. There's over 300,000 malicious URLs. Uh, and we'll talk more about some of this craziness, but, and these are URLs that the bad guys registered back in February to try to get people to click on. And then there's something like 200,000 malicious attachments right now, Jen, that are just floating around out there. And that's just what we know about uh, with all of these with coronavirus themes. And it's a tough time. And there's, there's no doubt about it. And, and for folks like Forrest and myself that are on the front lines of this battle, trying to find some of these threats and figure out what's going on and the motivation and then notifying our merchants and our clients, it's, it's exhausting. I have to tell you folks, we're, uh, we're, we're absolutely tired. We've got big bags underneath our eyes trying to, trying to figure it all out. So, uh, what are you doing to, to not get too stressed during these, um, during these times? Boy, you know, and I, I tell you, it's a work-life balance folks. Uh, I spent, my family's really big into gardening and we're really big into, we have, we have a ranch in West Texas. Oh, nice. So we have a little small scale orchard and I know you do some gardening too. But yeah, uh, but I don't have a ranch. I mean, I have a chicken, <laughs> chicken ranch. I, and they're so cute. They're this big and one of them's flying. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah, we, I, my family has a, we have a small scale orchard and a small scale vineyard in West Texas. And, you know, we're at the farmer's markets on the weekend. Uh, well, we were at the farmer's markets before they all got shut down. But we got this little ranch that we have going and, you know, we're just trying to make a go of things. And that's that's what it comes down to. When, I, when I'm not here at work, it's about disconnecting from the computer. It's about spending time with the family. And and that's really what we've been – games, a lot of board games. I don't know about you all, but the board games have been very helpful. Nice. No, I, I want to kill people when I play board games. It's not it's not pretty. I have been banned from family board games. I, Apparently, ah, I got a little bit competitive, and I don't know how to dial it back. It's a failing. I get it, but uh, yeah, I cannot do the board games. But Forrest, what are, what are you doing? Uh, generally, avoiding board games. I've uh, lost friendships over Settlers of Catan, okay. so that is now <laughs> off the table. So you feel me? Uh, <laughs> uh, primarily, uh, we've been uh, uh, video games. Uh, Animal Crossing has been a big one. Um, also, been uh, uh, we have a, a seven-year-old, and so I've I've been trying to teach her things like uh, 
Redstone Engineering in Minecraft, and she set up her first automated bee farm. Uh, so that was a, a pretty really big accomplishment cool. for her. And then, yeah, uh, Animal Crossing has been her her new big thing. Um, getting her set up with her cousins so that she can, you know, voice or video chat with them while while playing, and you know, get she's a very social kid. So being isolated like this has been really hard. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, a, a good avenue to kind of dip her toes in the pool and and kind of get her going in the the virtual world because that was very much a, a large part of my childhood so i i feel uh a lot of nostalgia and also see a lot of the, a lot of the benefits problem solving and uh planning and and she's really taking off with it so it's been great nice and i think it's important to talk about some of the things that we do to relax because one of the reasons why we're seeing um, successful attacks happen is because when you have, let's talk about fishing. A fishing attack is successful because it preys on people's um, stresses, right? You see something come in and and it is, it, it elicits a, an emotional reaction and you want to click and then uh, that lets the bad guys in. So um, Hef, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, you know, and that's the, that's the thing, Jen. It's the sensationalizing of the news right now it's either sensationalizing the topic with a phishing email to get you to click on it or spreading misinformation and and those two things when you, there's you know bad guys love to prey on these crises and it's always going to be like this it's a shame but it's always going to be like this but what really kind of breaks your heart is you know you have a lot of folks out, out there that are just not aware that the sensationalizing of the topics around covid or spreading this misinformation, or preying on people that are trying to, you know, if you're trying to buy a, a, a N95 mask, uh, you know, they have these fake websites that'll get you to click on it. And before you know it, you know, your information's out there and there's no getting it back. So it's, it's tough because you want to, in your home life, you want to give that sense of normalcy and you want to prepare and, and think about getting things back to normal and, and, and it's just tough because of all of the the, the craziness with the phishing emails. Right. And I think that's a good point to start on is the the nuttiness of the phishing. Um, and, and it's just it's not letting up in any in any sense of the way, in any sense of imagination. Right. People want to know. Um, I think for us, there's a um, we all want to know where coronavirus is. And there's a, a map, um, a, a an, an infected map, I think, uh, out there. Um, have you seen that one? Yeah, so that one, uh, um, at least the one I'm thinking of, was uh, just a, a social engineering Trojan download, run this executable for coronavirus map. And uh, yeah, just yeah. Uh, pretty pretty nasty stuff where it's like, you know, pretty much the, the only reliable sources that I've, I've seen for maps have been the, the Johns Hopkins. Um, and then there's another one that I've been uh, doing over curl in a, in a terminal. So that's, that's probably most, most normies out there aren't going to be no. getting hit with that one, but <laughs> just go um, to the Johns Hopkins site and find the map there. Cause you're right. Um, so here's the thing is that it see, we all want to know where it is. And yep. so we're going to go find a map. Right. And, and like you guys were saying, um, if there's a download to, to keep us apprised with a map kind of real time, some of us are going to say, Hey, that sounds like a great idea, but it's not because there's bad code in that. And so instead if you, and this is the truth for a lot of these phishing things, if it sounds good and you want to find out more about it, then um, go to the source, 
search it out and find it from the source, not from something that's coming in unsolicited to your email. And, and Jen, you know, that's a great point too, because there's so, it, there's a craving for information. All of us have this just, anytime you're in a crisis situation, you just are so hungry for information. The challenge is there's a lot of negative information out there. And then when you when you stack that with all of the cyber threats preying on that negativity, boy, it just becomes uh, a much, much tougher place to try to survive. Uh, I, I read some kind of statistic that uh, 80% of the current threat landscape is made up of coronavirus-themed events, emails, phishing emails, at malware, Trojans, any kind of thing related to coronavirus. That's basically the threat landscape right now, which if you know that, that's that's kind of the awareness piece. That's like half the battle. If you know that the 80% of the landscape is based on these coronavirus themes, then if you can try to avoid that in your business life and your personal life as much as possible, <laughs> you might be able to kind of survive this uh, this cyber war that we're experiencing right now. Right. And, and all, uh, on the flip side, we have some positive news coming in that everybody's excited about. And that's also being leveraged in order to get us to click on things. Um, help me out here a little bit, uh, Forrest. I think there's a been been seeing a lot of stuff um, regarding stimulus. Uh, that's so the word everybody's going to be getting for. a check. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, so they they find that as a great opportunity. Oh, you need you know to follow these instructions in order to receive your stimulus or be qualified for it. You know, click this link go here, do this thing, download this Word document, boom, you know, they've got malicious macro in there and your own. So yeah, a lot of people preying on um, the the relief efforts that, that the government's trying to roll out and get people to, to you know, get back on their feet. So it's, it's pretty skeezy, uh, um, you know, kicking people when they're, when they're down. It's uh, uh, no shame, no shame at all. Yeah. And yeah. businesses really, they really need to be careful of some of these stimulus relief bills that are floating around right now, and it's not just in the United States, it's in, in the UK as well. The, some of these funds, uh, businesses can apply for up to $10 million. Or, or, I mean, I think that was some statistic that I heard where part of this relief package is if, you, if your business needs money, you can apply for some relief funds. And you think about that, well, the, the bad guys know that. They're not going to they're not, they're going to go after where they can get the easiest kind of attack vector. And if they know that your business is going to potentially apply for some of these funds, they're going to try to, to fish you for it and try to, to get that money. Right. So, um, so if we look at, uh, some of these, uh, phishing emails, some of the, uh, the, as you were saying earlier, the coronavirus themed domain names, one of the things that I hear from just regular folks out there trying to live their lives, trying to make good decisions is, well, I got this and I just thought I'd click on it to find out if it was legit or not. T can you describe what the problem is with clicking on a link in an unsolicited email just to find out? It's, uh, I mean, granted the, the number of, uh, um, like zero days or things like that, that are going to pop up in a, in a, uh, uh, browser like drive by download you used to see that a lot more common you know five six seven years ago uh, now nowadays not so much now it's more social engineering mixed with you know the URL so you click a click a URL and then uh, it'll it'll take you to a very legit looking uh, Google sign-in page or you know uh, depending if it's if it's being targeted toward a specific organization like a Microsoft login or you know a lot of these attacks are kind of tailored for 
the the technologies that are being used by your organization. So, um, and a lot of these these uh, logins will will actually transparently pass the the credentials through and uh, do a session handoff. So you know, see people sign in and then suddenly they're you know in their Google account and they're like, well, this didn't really take me where I thought it was supposed to, but now they have your credentials or you know things like that or uh, you click a link and it, you know, then takes you to download a file, which, you know, they can then use to exploit uh, vulnerable software. So there's, for instance, like a malicious PDF or uh, some flaw in uh, um, your your office software or something along those lines or, or uh, macros where it will then act as a, a second stage loader where it then goes down and pulls down some uh, some malicious code to then execute and open up a shell and now they've got your box. Yeah. You know what? You got super nerdy on us there. <laughs> Sorry. That's, <laughs> well, I know. I love that about you. Back. I love that about you, but I need to explain a couple things to some of the people because we have promised that we will try and demystify things for people who maybe are not security professionals or aren't even IT people. So let's just, yeah. just kind of walk backwards a little bit to one of the things you said, which was uh, there's not a lot of zero days out there anymore. And here's what that means. So, a zero day is where there isn't a patch available for your system or for whatever is being exploited, usually an operating system. Like um, if you have Windows 10 and you have a zero day, then there's no patch available yet and you're vulnerable to to getting attacked because um, uh, Microsoft hasn't come out yet with a, with a patch for that zero day, right? In general, would you say that's right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but... That also assumes that you're not going to hit by, get hit by malware because uh, you have patched your systems. So that kind of gets us into what is the organization doing to protect its regular users from um, getting hit by some of these things. Patching is pretty important. Uh, do you want to speak to patching a little bit? Oh, yeah. I, I would say in the vast majority of uh, internal vulnerability assessments that I'm doing for organizations, I see time and again, a lot of places aren't installing updates for their software. Um, some places are still running, uh, you know, Windows 7. I've even seen Server 2003 uh, being run in some environments, and it makes me want to pull my hair out. But <laughs> Yep, um, you and me both. You know, so <laughs> Legacy systems are are usually pretty hard to to get rid of. So the the biggest thing is just maintaining um, regular uh, installation schedule for those updates as they come out. That that takes care of I would say eighty percent of the the updates that I see. Or uh, sorry, not updates. The eighty percent of the vulnerabilities. And I would flip the script on that as well. And I'd say the other percentage of the. Uh, the, the other part of the puzzle is awareness. And every organization out there, including your personal life too, it, they have to just be aware of what's going on. And awareness is, is that, that ha the other half of that battle. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, my mom calls me the other day. My mom says, uh, I got this email from the who. And I said, the band? She says, no, no, <laughs> the, um, the, the, the World Health Organization. And they told me that my neighbors tested positive for coronavirus I don't know what to do about it. And I, and I said, mom, calm down. There's, there's nothing to be aware of. Tell me the URL, tell me the email address that came back. And she told it to me. I said, yeah, that's definitely a phishing campaign, a phishing scam. And I had to explain to her exactly that your, your neighbors are probably not positive for coronavirus. However, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I could tell you that this email is definitely not 
something you uh, you need to be too concerned about. But that's the kind of the the crumminess of all of this is if you're not aware and your employees are not aware of what's going on out there, uh, at a, at the very least, making sure that they know that these types of phishing campaigns are happening, that the bad guys are preying on this situation. W- one more example for you. Uh, debit cards, right? I, I just saw an email the other day, a phishing email from these these cyber threats. Antibacterial debit cards. <laughs> Have you ever heard of such a thing? Sounds legit. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds legit. I'm thinking antibacterial. They're wiping. They're taking their Clorox wipes and they're wiping these bacterial. Uh, these. How do you sell a, a debit card that's antibacterial? But I mean, the banks, yeah, I get an email from Wells Fargo or Bank of America or any of these banks, Chase out there, that they're now giving me an antibacterial debit card. Thank you, but it's not a legit email. So <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the battle we're up against. Um, and, and you made a good point about uh, the awareness. And a lot of us are in IT and, and we struggle with helping our, okay, my mom is almost 80. And she emailed me the other day, uh, I, I guess it was a couple of months ago, she, she was out in Lebanon doing some humanitarian things, and she emails me and says, hey, uh, I don't know what to do because I've got unwanted porn coming up on my machine. And I'm like, as opposed to the wanted porn? I did not say that to my mother, <laughs> but that was what <laughs> I thought in my head, right? right? And, and so she describes the, the problem, and what had happened was she had gotten duped through a phishing email, into downloading support software onto her machine that that gave her um, problems on a regular basis that had to get fixed by the support team. So she had a subscription that she was paying because she felt like they were doing a good thing, right? And they're just stringing her along with, oh, and this month this is the porn that you get, and this month this is the the slowdowns that you get. Like these are the the things. And so um, as organizations, we can do that a lot of security awareness to help our um, uh, employees, but as employees, when we get that information, it's, I think it's worth sharing with people who are not part of the, the digital generation forest. You cracked me up when you said, yeah, this is how I grew up. And I thought, yeah, you know what my first game was? Um, Pong on an Apple IIe. That's, so I am barely on the cusp of feeling like I kind of grew up with it because that was high school for me. Right. And so if you think about the people who are not super comfortable with um, uh, how computers work and and the interconnectivity of the of of all of these things uh, there, what are some things that we can tell them that are easy? Um, Forrest, do you have uh, older people in your life that you're or, or less technical people in your life that you're able to do some security awareness with? Yeah, yeah. Um, I the perfect example. I had uh, a partner uh, back in the day who had just gotten a brand new, like three thousand some odd dollar uh, MacBook Pro uh, that was basically just a glorified iTunes and Facebook machine. And within two weeks, uh, she had uh, gotten uh, taken to a website that was, um, you know, one of those malvertising. Basically, uh, there's something wrong with your machine, generating system pop ups. And, uh, you know, she called it up and uh, within, you know, an hour, they had charged $300 and had installed a, you know, remote access tool on the machine. And I, I come home from work at the time when I was in pen test and, uh, yeah, absolutely 
infuriated at the the people that that would do this and it's they just they prey on on people's um a, a lot of people have a, a natural inclination to trust and um you know when when they're told something is wrong um you know they're inclined to believe it particularly if it comes to something that they're not familiar with especially the more technical you can make it look uh, the the more overwhelmed somebody will feel and you know that sets in a sense of panic and so usually um, when it comes to those kinds of things uh, I've, I've just informed all my family you know if something comes up and you're not sure what it is don't touch anything just call me immediately and you know we can we can walk through it and you know come at it with a, a level clear head and make sure that that you know whether or not something's legit and if it is legit then I can come over and you can make me dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good trade. And, and it again, it comes back to that that concept that if there's something on your machine or in your email that, that brings up that anxiety, that's a really good indication that somebody is trying to make you do something that you would not normally do because you don't think the same way when you're in an anxiety situation as you do when you're calm and, and dealing with things that you understand. Um, Hef, what about passwords? Talk to me about how we can help our um, people with passwords and and what effect that can have on our security. Sure. So, you know, for everyone out there, you have you know multiple passwords, right? And and the challenge is you tend to like to share your password. You like to share your password both at work and at home, and that's where the trouble starts to kind of take over. Is where you have the same password that you're using to log on to the network at work, and then you're doing the same password at home. And that can obviously create a huge challenge. So, I mean, and I, I think a lot of us always hear about password safety, password security, password this, password that. Uh, we're kind of, it's kind of beat into a lot of us. Well, you know, at the end of the day, humans are the, are the firewall. You, you are the firewall at your house. You're the firewall at work. Uh, yeah, there's all these technical things in place to protect. But if you are not cognizant and aware of you know, using very long passwords and and using a combination of lowercase and uppercase and numbers and symbols and all that other jazz, then you can create a real bad breach in your life. Um, my recommendation to everyone out there is to kind of take it at heart and put forth a little bit more of an effort if you're not doing so to come up with a little bit more long password. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a perfect example of this, there's a lot of ways that a data breach can happen in your personal life and your professional life. And you think about, you, you got a, a friend, maybe you got a neighbor and the neighbor is uh, unemployed and they asked to save money. They said, hey, can I, can I borrow, can I use access on your, your network? And you're thinking nothing of it. Yeah, no problem. I'll share my, my internet network with you. You've been a good neighbor and everything. Well, you share that password onto your network, and the next thing you know is you're not secure at your home, and they, the neighbor potentially starts snooping around and looking at your files. Uh, that's a perfect uh, way for, for that to happen. But yeah, there's a lot of different use cases out there or, of ways that a data breach can happen in your personal life and professional life simply because you didn't use two-factor authentication, where you, had, you have two devices, you have your phone, and when you log in, the login sends a code to your phone and you got to then go back and put that code in. And it's That's a hassle, that, right? I mean, people really don't, yeah. people don't like a two factor or the, we're also calling it multi-factor. I don't know when that happened, but both, both of those things are talking about basically the same thing. 
Um, but but people don't like it because it slows them down. But yeah. yeah, if it slows them down, what is it doing to the the malicious actors? Right, it, and that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's that's, really. But also, it's not just slowing them the malicious actors down. The the what we've seen is that having two factor multi factor um, applied it it makes a real difference in um, the protection of an account. Yeah. If, you know uh, that, if I can make a, yeah. a point, um, yeah. I just want to go back to the, the passwords. Um, uh, one thing that I found has been a vast improvement in my life has been leveraging the use of a password manager. Um, it vastly simplifies my, my login process for everything in, in my, my personal life, my work life, everything. It's, it's been wonderful. So now I don't have to, you know, because I had, you know, my super secure password that a lot of places didn't like because it was too long or it, they didn't like certain symbols that I was using in it. So every site had their special little rules that my passwords had to conform to. And so it was like, if I have my super secure password, but it's different for this site, now I have to remember, you know, X number of variations of that same password and it just becomes cumbersome. And eventually it got to the point where it was just like, you know what, uh, I am now using the reset password as my password. So yeah. everything is yeah. just going back to my my inbox. So once I started leveraging a password manager with a browser extension that just ties into the, that directly, yeah. I no longer need to remember, you know, a dozen different passwords. I just have my one long, super strong password, passphrase rather. And then from there, everything else just unlocks automatically. And I don't have to keep, you know, mental notes of, okay, well, this one does it this way, but that one does it that way. It's it, it lot, It's a vastly better user experience that's much more secure. There's, there's no, um, uh, it's, it's not, permutable as far as guessing so if somebody were to you know figure out or my password would get breached by some insecure site you know somebody can't then turn around and try and password spray and use that across other sites or figure out variations thereof um right it's, so it's all so they, they can't go is it johnny 12 is it johnny 13 is it johnny 14 right so if they if they knew one of your um, passwords just as you said permutable taking and modifying it a little bit it's so easy to access that way. But like you, I I held out for just a ridiculously long time. But about a year ago, I got a password manager, and it has changed my life. Love it. It really is. It's night and day difference. I love it. Now it's now I only need to know one super secure password, and we're good to go from there. And and Jen, you know, this is definitely helpful for the for everyone out there. It's. It's about realizing that what the threat actors are trying to do is they're trying to pivot and they'll they'll try to take your personal life and then they'll try to get access to your personal life and then pivot into your business life. So being aware of that, that your personal life passwords kind of need to be separated out from your business passwords is a very good best practice to be safe out there. Yep, yep for sure. For sure. So and, um, uh, going along. Oh, no, go sorry. Ahead. I just had one. One more point I wanted to make. Um, so uh, I've, I find a lot of people um, have a difficult time with adjustments. So for instance, my parents um, have a very hard time trying to, to change how they've normally done things. Um, so in those cases, a password manager was the, the barrier to entry was just a little too high for them. It was, I tried to 
get the concept going, wasn't catching on. It was like, okay, well, let's do some threat modeling here. What are we really trying to protect against? We're just trying to make sure randoms on the internet aren't going to be able to break in. Okay, well, randoms on the internet aren't going to have access to your house. So here is this notebook. And we always give people guff about writing down passwords. And I don't think that's necessarily appropriate because it depends on what your threat model is. If your threat model isn't you know, somebody in my home, like if you're only allowing people that you trust into your home, then you're not worried about them potentially exploiting your accounts. Or if you keep that in a little lockbox, even, you know, then somebody needs to be able to get into that lockbox. But then you have your notebook where you have your passwords written down and you can have strong passwords that you won't necessarily be able to remember, but are at least easily accessible for them to be able to use. Agreed. That's some really good advice, especially since we have looked down on writing down your password. And so it's almost hammered into us that you can't write down your password, but that's with, without taking into account what is the actual risk of doing that. So as you say, you're in your home um, and you've got it locked up, ugh, the risk of that is so low. And if you really can't manage a password manager, and I've seen it as well, it's very difficult for some people. Writing it down is perfectly fine as long as you take those steps. So, um, just final topic here, um, just to take it back a little bit to the organization. Um, when we look at all of the people, the technologies, the processes associated with net network security, um, there are some organizations that really struggle to, to address all of those on their own. Can you speak a little bit about uh, what managed security services, how, how that can be helpful to people? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think uh, managed security is a great approach um, just because you're leveraging others' expertise in it. You don't need to be the jack of all trades, you know, running your business and trying to run your network and make sure everything's secure and setting up firewall rules and so on and so forth. You know, managed security, you essentially have that domain expertise where it's like, okay, um, I am tapping these people to make sure that uh, everything is set up how it should be, and they can then monitor and, and report back anything that, that's going awry, or uh, if I ever need to make any changes or um, uh, add additional services to my network, they can do so in a secure way. So rather than somebody just punching open uh, RDP and, and allowing remote access open to the internet, uh, managed security services can be like, you know, that's not a good idea. Let's maybe try and go about it in this different approach. Like, have you guys heard of a VPN? You know, the, the things that that can be used to layer security to do, you know, get the job done, but also not leave you vulnerable at the end of the day. It looks like we lost half, and I'm really sad about that because it was really fun. But so we're just going to wrap up here with Forrest today and say, um, thank you so much for for what you offered. We'll we'll make sure that we have a, a link to his the blog that he put together for us um, in the podcast notes. But before we wrap up, Forrest, is there anything final from you? Um, overall, I'd like to say uh, it's not paranoia if they're actually out to get you. Um, so having a tinfoil hat in this day and age isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, if you want to go back to, to Reagan, uh, trust, but verify, you know, make right. sure that, uh, you're not just blindly accepting what's given to you, you know, question everything. The truth is out there. <laughs> 
Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. And again, we'll have um, plenty of links in the, the podcast notes for additional information that you can find out and use to um, to meet some of these current threats that we're, we're experiencing. Hope you're having a, a good week and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about all things security and compliance, head to securitymetrics.com. If you prefer to watch the podcast, go to securitymetrics.com slash podcast or search for us on YouTube. See you on the slopes.